Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. We are in a series called Supporting Cast. So we just began last week, and what we're doing through this series is we're looking at characters that maybe we wouldn't spend much time with. You know, these characters that might, we might read about but kind of gloss over. Or like, oh yeah, what's that story about? Like we're, we're looking at these characters who maybe play a little bit more of a minor role in the biblical story. And when you start thinking about that, like supporting cast members, you know, if you pay attention to Hollywood or stories or whatever, you've got characters that are, you know, showing up in the plot that maybe disappear. And, you know, as you start thinking about like who are some good examples? If you're a Star Wars fan, one of the best ones is like Boba Fett, right? Like, for those of you who love Star Wars, Boba Fett is one of those really cool characters, but he's, he's on the side. Like, he's, he's not essential to the main thread of the plot. Or maybe if you like The Office, one of my favorite is Creed. He, like, every time that guy sits down and does an interview, like, what, who is this guy? You just, you're curious about all these characters. Or maybe the, the movie Frozen, Oaken, the guy who owns that shop in the middle of nowhere, like, that they show up to, like, he's just a fantastic supporting character. Or maybe if you think of like Peter Pan, Nana the dog. Like these are just all these really good characters that they play some kind of role in the story, but often are are on the side or or disappear. What we want to do is we want to look at these characters in the Bible. And sometimes we can see them as like, oh, okay, they're, they're minor. We don't really need to pay much attention to them. But realize when we get to study them in the context of the story, there's something that we can learn from each one of them. And one of the the key ideas through all of these character stories that we want to see is that these are ordinary people with an extraordinary God. They're ordinary people. They're just like you and me, but they have an extraordinary God. And so today, what I'd love for us to do is I would love for us to study the character of Barnabas. Barnabas is a New Testament character, somebody who, who shows up after Jesus and the church is starting to grow. Barnabas is a key member of that early church, but he's a minor character. We see him pop up here and there. What can we learn from Barnabas? Now, just to be clear, we're not talking about Barabbas. Barabbas was the guy that everyone chose instead of Jesus, and then they crucified Jesus instead of him. That's not how we're talking about, okay? So Barabbas is a separate guy. This is Barnabas. We're going to look at Barnabas. And one thing I want to highlight to you kind of right out of the gate, Luke, when he's presenting Barnabas, he gives us this summary statement in Acts chapter 11, verse 24. Here's what he says. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Like right here, Luke's description of Barnabas is this. How cool is that? Like if you, if if someone were to describe my life story and like got to this, like, whoa, I, I mean, that would be just so honoring. Like, how cool is Luke's description of Barnabas? A good man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. Now, when I start to think about Barnabas, my, my, the immediately, like, I run to church people. Like, he feels kind of like the guy who grew up going to church. He's a good church kid, like, and, and he's always serving, always like, he's, he's the kind of guy I think of as like, Hey, the good churchgoer. And like, I relate to that because that's kind of my story. Like I grew up going to church. Like I, I, I grew up knowing all the stuff about Jesus and the Bible. And like that was part of my story. And I relate to that. Now, you might have a different story. 
you, you might have a story where it's like, that's not me at all. Like, I, I did not grow up like that. That was not my, my background. Like, I don't know that I, I kind of fit with that. The story of Barnabas is a really good story. And if you start thinking about, like, the good church guy, the, the good old boy or whatever, immediately, I think in, when we start thinking about stories, we're like, okay, is this really true? Like, is, is he really as good as he seems? Spoiler alert, there's a blemish. There's a misstep. When we look at the story of Barnabas, we're going to see that it's not perfect. And, and, and if you relate to that or if you don't relate to that, I'm, I'm excited for you to see his story play out and so that we can see how God responds or what God has to say about a story like this. So what I want to do is I want to study his, his life I want to walk through his story. I want to see where is this misstep and what does that mean? So if you would, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, the book of Acts. We're going to be studying Barnabas primarily in Acts and we are going to jump around quite a bit in the book of Acts because his little story is just snippets along the way. So the book of Acts and what we're going to see here is after Jesus, the church is born and Barnabas plays a significant role. So Turn to Acts chapter 4 specifically. Acts chapter 4. And we'll look at the story of Barnabas. So beginning at verse 32, what I want us to see is kind of the context of the the church. Like here Luke is describing what the church is like. And that's where he introduces Barnabas. So verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed to have any of possessions that were their own but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. So pause here for a second. I mean, what a beautiful description of that community, right? Like, this is what the church is is to be. Everybody's together, we're in community, and what do we do? We provide for needs, for one another's needs. What I have is yours. I share willingly. I am generous. So much so that we see people selling things to provide for their needs. Like, how cool is that? What What a great community that is. Let's see what Luke says next. Verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Right here is our introduction to Barnabas. And he is the example of this community. He's the one who's doing this very thing that Luke is describing, this radical generosity That's Barnabas. Now notice his name is Joseph. His name is Joseph. He's a Jew. He's he's Jewish. He grew up in the Jewish faith, in the Jewish community, and he's a Levite. He's from the tribe of Levi, which are the priestly tribe. And so Joseph likely grew up knowing the Torah. He was trained in this uh, this faith. He, He knew what the role of the priest was. He maybe didn't serve as a priest, but like he, he's like, he's thoroughly invested in this. 
He's the kind of guy who, who knows it all, who's, who's participating fully. Like, that's who he is. And his name is Joseph. But they give him an, another name, Barnabas. And Luke translates it for us, son of encouragement. I think that's because this is who he is. He's the kind of guy who walks in and he's just so encouraging. Like you walk away from a conversation with him, you just feel built up and uplifted. Like, oh man, it's so good to see him. Like, I feel encouraged. That's who Barnabas is. Like that's this picture. He's this guy who's encouraging. He's been around for a long time. He knows the, the right kinds of things. And he, he is generous. This is Barnabas. This is our introduction to who he is. Now I want you to flip. We're going to look at, at Bar- Barnabas in chapter 9 of Acts. We're going to see a little bit more of his character. So Acts chapter 9, flip, flip there. We're going to look at verses 26 and 27. So Acts chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. The context here is that Paul, the well-known like leader of the church, this is his conversion. His name was Saul, and he was killing Christians. He was persecuting them. He's putting them in jail. And what happens is Saul meets Jesus. There's a radical kind of revelation. He, he meets Jesus on a road. He's blinded, and, and he has a total transformation. He has he changed. But everybody knows who he is. And so when he tries to go connect with the church, with the disciples, here's what happens. So verse 26. Oh, I lost my place. There we are. When he came to Jerusalem, this is Saul, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and how the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So we've got Saul, this guy that nobody trusts. They're all afraid of him. Who steps up? It's Barnabas. And he defends him. He's like, hang on, hang, hang, hang on, hang on, hang on. We can trust him. I'll vouch for him. I, I'm, I'm coming alongside. Yes, we can trust this guy. And they trust him. The apostles, those in Jerusalem, they trust Barnabas like, okay, we believe you. And look what happens. Saul joins them, is able to move freely about in Jerusalem. This is Barnabas' character. He stands up for people. Like, wouldn't you want this guy as your friend? This this is the kind of character that he is. So to come back to this summary verse that that Luke gave us in in Acts 11, he's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. He is a good man. This is who he is. This is the picture that we're getting of Barnabas. And so I just want to capture it for you this way, that he is a good man with high character. He's a good man with high character. He's generous. He stands up for people. He's encouraging. Like, he's just a good guy. This is the way that Luke portrays him. Okay, so if this is true, what's going to happen? Like, you know, okay, maybe he will come through. Maybe he'll be this good guy, but will he really? Like, is this going to play out the way we think it is? Well, let's keep going and look now at the work that he does. So I invite you, if you would, turn another page to Acts 11. Acts 11. This is where we're going to get our summary statement again. 
But I want to show you a little bit of what's happening here. So Acts chapter 11, verse 22. So here, what we see is that um, the, the, the faith is spreading. And, and, and people are coming to faith outside of Jerusalem. They're all in these regions. And suddenly, there's news. Not just Jewish people, but Gentiles. People who aren't Jewish. They're coming to follow Jesus. They have the Holy Spirit. They're coming to join the church. And so what happens is verse 22. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, what the grace of God had done, he was glad, and he encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. And then our summary verse. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Here, we get Gentiles. They're starting to come into the church. And, and so the Jerusalem church is like, oh, we need, to, we need to look into this. Who should we send? We should send Barnabas. We trust him. He can do this. So they send him. And what does he do? He arrives, he investigates, and he sees, ah, oh, the Lord has been at work. And he begin, begins to teach and equip them. Remain true. Here's how. Let me show you. And what happens because of that? More people come to know the Lord. This guy is a leader. He's a teacher. He's someone who's building up the church. Let's look at one, one other place. So turn the page one more time to Acts 13. Acts 13, verses 2 and 3. So here we've got the church. They're gathered together. And in verse 2, we get these words. Now the church in Antioch, oh, excuse me, I'm in the wrong place here. While they were worshiping, the church is gathered together. While they were worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The Holy Spirit says, I want to use Barnabas. I want to use Saul. I want to send these guys out. And they're going to go on these missionary journeys. Now, if you know the Bible, if you know the story, you know that a lot happened after the Gentiles started to convert. All of a sudden, Paul, still called Saul, he goes out and he starts spreading. Well, guess who went with him? Barnabas. And notice the order, too, Barnabas and Saul. What was happening here was that Barnabas was mentoring Saul. Barnabas was pouring in, investing in Saul. And Saul, who would become Paul, was one of the key members of the church. He was the one who influenced the church probably the most at that time. Guess who's mentoring him? This guy, Barnabas. He's a leader. He's a builder. He's the kind of person that people are looking to and say, yeah, let's, let's go with him. Even the Holy Spirit says, I want to send out Saul and Barnabas. Barnabas is part of that. He's this guy that everybody looks to and like, yeah, okay. So what we see here, if we go back to our summary verse, he's a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. Full of faith. He is faithful to his call in the gospel. This is the kind of guy who steps up and says like, yeah, like I'm, I'm available, Lord, I'm obedient, and I will go. He's the kind of guy who steps up. Everybody looks to him. He's a leader. He's a builder. He's a teacher. He's full of faith. He's faithful to his call in the gospel. So, so far we're seeing this is the guy that like, man, he made a lot happen. Maybe he was a little more behind the scenes, but 
like without him, imagine where we would be. We probably wouldn't be here. Paul made such a huge difference. He invested in the church. He, he proclaimed the gospel to new places. Like He took the gospel to new, to new people who wouldn't have probably come across it otherwise. But without Barnabas standing up for him originally, without Barnabas stepping up and investing in him, we may not be sitting in this room. This is what Barnabas has done. He is the kind of guy who has stepped up to his call and God worked through him. So, so far, like, we've got a really good picture of this guy, right? Like, he's kind of coming through. He, he is a cornerstone. He is, he is one of the most essential members of the church at the time. So where is this misstep? Is there, is there going to be this moment where it's like, is he going to stumble? Turn to Acts chapter 15. We're going to look at one of the most pivotal moments in the life of the church. Acts chapter 15. So if all these Gentiles are coming to the faith, how is that, how is that actually playing out? Like what's happening because of that? We actually get a little bit of controversy. So Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers this. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, a little context. What these people are doing is they're coming from Jerusalem and they're, they're called the Judaizers. They're saying, no, 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 you gotta, you got to be Jewish to follow Jesus. You have to be like us. You have to follow the law and you have to be one of us. You can't be an outsider. That doesn't work. Like, you can't be saved. Here's what happens next. Verse 2. This brought Paul, let's change his name, Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some of the other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. So what we see here is that uh, Paul and Barnabas, no, 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 this isn't how this goes. And so they go to Jerusalem. And this is one of the first big gatherings of the church answering this question. And so Peter's there and he gets up and he shares. Here's what God has been doing and he, and he gives some testimony. A few others get up. And then we get verse 12. Look down at verse 12. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul, telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. See, right here, Paul and Barnabas, they get up and everybody gets quiet and they're attentive and they listen. And then James, he's kind of the leader at the church at the time, gets up and says, we've heard, we've heard the descriptions, we've heard what's happening. Here's the final judgment. Here's the, here's the evaluation. Here's what we should do. Here's the answer. They should not follow the law. Gentiles can be a part of the church. We just ask that they live like Jesus. And that is the determination. Paul and Barnabas were a key part of that. So right here, they're standing up for what's right. So it's not here. This isn't where Barnabas kind of falls short, right? He comes through in a mighty way. So after this, they send a letter back to the churches and saying, here's, here's how this goes and, and, and giving some encouragement. So Paul and Barnabas, they, they deliver that letter. And then look down at verse 36. We get kind of the next scene, if you will. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and to see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, who was called Mark, with them. 
But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. Uh-oh. Here, is this it? Like Barnabas, Paul, they get into a fight about this guy, Mark. Is this it? Now, one thing we, we're not sure about, but later we get a mention in one of the other letters that describes Mark as Barnabas's cousin. Now, cousin might literally mean family, like blood relation cousin, or it might mean just like a close friend. They use that word a little interchangeably, so we're not 100% sure. But let's say that he is his cousin. Is Barnabas choosing family over the gospel? Like Paul, man, he, he's, he's the guy he's been doing. And right here, do we see, see Barnabas making the wrong choice? Did he, did he reject the gospel in the way that he, should, he shouldn't have? 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is near the end of his life and he's describing um, some of the things that he needs and he's writing to Timothy and here's what we get in chapter 4 verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Oh, here's Paul saying, Mark is helpful. Looking back, like, Mark, he's helpful to me in my ministry. Bring him with you. Like, yeah, yeah, Mark, Mark's a good guy. We can trust him. Barnabas, coming through. Like, he stood up for Mark. Maybe Mark made the wrong choice, but here we see Barnabas standing up for Mark, and he comes through. Paul kind of has a change of heart. Like, yeah, Mark's helpful. Bring him. Like, I'm near the end of my life. Like, I need some help. I want Mark at my side. So it's not here. Barnabas, again, comes through. Our good old boy. Like, right? He's, he's, he's coming through. So here, like, Barnabas, man, he's, he's proven himself over and over and over again. I want to look at one more story. But it's actually not a story in the book of Acts. Would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 2? Galatians chapter 2. So this is a letter Paul wrote to the church in Galatia where he's describing an incident that isn't recorded in the book of Acts. Now we're not exactly sure when this happens. It's around the time of Acts 15, that council, that gathering of what do we do about the Gentiles? And Paul is recounting the story. So chapter 2, verse 11. When Cephas, this is Peter, it's another name for Peter. So when Peter, kind of one of the leaders of the church, when he came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. This is Paul. Because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, this is from Jerusalem, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Here it is. Here's the stumble. Barnabas was at this church. Peter shows up and they're eating with the Gentiles. But then another group shows up. It's this circumcision group, this, these Judaizers. These are the ones that says, no, 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 you've got to be like us. 
if you want to be like saved. And Peter, he's like, oh, oh, oh yeah, okay. So I'm not going to hang out with you people anymore. Like, we're going to do this. I mean, you can almost picture it like schoolroom, lunchroom. Oh, the cool kids show up and it's like, oh, I don't want to hang out with you. Like, that's what's happening here. And, and the focus is on Peter. But we get that brief little mention. Barnabas does the same thing. He, he rejects his association with the Gentiles. The guy who stood up for people doesn't stand up for him here. He doesn't come through like, oh, here's his misstep. Now, you might think like, hmm, okay, that's kind of crappy and, you know, like, nah, I wish he wouldn't have done that. But like, is it really that big of a deal? Like, I mean, how, how much weight should we give to this? On the one hand, it's not huge, but on another, James 2.10. James, who's that leader in the church in Jerusalem, he writes these words that I think we've got to take somewhat seriously. So James 2, verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you commit murder, have you not become a lawbreaker? This is what James is saying. Like, if you keep the whole law, but miss this, categorically, you're a lawbreaker. Like right here, Barnabas kind of falls into this category. I heard an analogy recently, and um, if you take three people and you say, hey, you know, swim, swim the English Channel or whatever, you know, and, and, and somebody's like, okay, you, know, you get somebody who doesn't know how to swim, they're going to drown real fast. Like 20 seconds later, this is not good. You, you need to save them. You get a pretty good swimmer. They might make it like several hundred yards. Okay. But you, you get an like Olympic quality swimmer. If they haven't trained for it, but, like, they can swim probably a while, but would they make it? Like, ooh, Barnabas is that kind of guy, but, like, you're going to fall short. Like, all of them can't quite make it, you know? That's what we find Barnabas right here. He's fallen short. He didn't make it either. I want to come back to our summary verse. He's a good man. He's full of faith. But Luke adds this other one. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Luke is describing something here that is profound. How do you get the Holy Spirit? How do you, how does someone have the Holy Spirit inside of them? It's when they trust Jesus. Begin following him, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. This is what Luke says is Barnabas, like his, his character, like who he is. This describes him. This is the distinguishing mark. Barnabas is a good man. He's full of faith. But this, he is full of the Holy Spirit. Paul, describing kind of what this reality is all about in, in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. He's looking at, at this reality that we live in as, as believers Realizing that, you know, we've grown up in an, in an era where we have received something. We've received this kind of original sin. It's like we're, we're not living the way we should be. And so what Paul describes here in chapter 5, at verse 12, this is what he says. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sins. Like this is all of us. 
Like we've all sinned, we, we, we've inherited this, like death, we live in this reality. Because of one, one person, started with one place, one person, we all inherit it. But verse 19. For just as through the disobedience of one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man many will be made righteous. What Paul's describing here is that there is one person who can make the swim. Barnabas, he's a good guy, like he did so much right, but he didn't quite cross that threshold. He had a misstep, he stumbled, like he kind of fell short, even just a little bit. But he still missed it. Categorically, like James talks about, he missed it. There's one who didn't. There's one who would show up who would cross that threshold. There's one who would make it. It's Jesus. He shows up, he crosses that threshold, and he says, now I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to give you what I have. We're going to trade places. So no matter how good or how bad you are, we're going to trade places. I made it across. Now you will too. So when we get this description of Barnabas as being full of the Holy Spirit, it's because he trusted in Jesus. He trusted in the one who crossed that threshold. He's the one who made it. And now Barnabas says, I want to be with him. And what happens is that he crosses that threshold. He's a good man. He's full of faith. But he has the Holy Spirit because he trusts Jesus. So I want to ask you this question. Is this you? Are, are you looking at this story of Barnabas and feeling like, yeah, I kind of, like, that's me. Like, I grew up going to church. I kind of was taught all the right things. I try to be a good person. And yet, you know, I don't quite make it either. And there's probably some things in your heart you're just like, I don't want people to see that. Or maybe you're like, I am nothing like Barnabas. That's not my story. I don't feel like that. Like, I, I am not like him. People would not describe me that way if they knew me. You are like Barnabas. All of us are. No matter how good, how close you get to that line, or how bad or how far you feel from it, we're all in the same boat. And we can't get across the threshold. But Jesus can. And he offers it to all of us. So that you could hear this description of you too. You are full of the Holy Spirit. You are a good person. You are full of faith because of what he has done. The key idea I want you to see today is this. Our goodness doesn't make us good. God does. Our goodness doesn't make us good. It's God who does. And this is good news. This is good news. No matter how close we get, even if we feel like, oh, I could almost get there, we fall short. Or maybe we're so far from it, like we could never get there on our own. Guess what? It's not our earning. It's not our goodness. It's not what we do that gets us across that threshold. God does. God does. This is the gift of Jesus. So as we reflect on the life of Barnabas, 
as we look back at him and what he experienced, what he has done, we can learn a lot from him. I think we should model ourselves after him, like be like Barnabas, yes. But it's not good enough. It's not quite enough. We need Jesus. And Jesus is the one who actually makes us like a Barnabas. We can't get there on our own. We can't do enough to make it there on our own strength. It's a gift. God's goodness is what makes us good. So we turn to him and we trust him. Is this you? Our goodness doesn't make us good. God does. Join me in a word of prayer. God, thank you for this good news.